That music is an invitation, an invitation to sit up and join me as we look into God's Word. This isn't your parents' Bible study or some pre-printed material from your denomination. Each episode, we tear into God's letter to humanity to see what would God have us know about Himself, about the world around us, and about ourselves. I am Brother Mitchell from the Discipleship Center, and you are listening to the TDC Podcast. Paul turns the corner a little bit, starting here in the middle of chapter 2. He builds on to his statement about prayer, and now he starts talking about how prayer is the foundation of godly living for the members of the church, which will be further developed with principles for character as we enter chapter 3. So let's read the text here. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be starting in verse 8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. So what should Christian men be known for? As men, our normal modes of operating are in competition and pride, which many times spill into anger and quarreling. Paul knows this, and he's pressing the church to rise above that. Instead, we should be known for our prayers, prayer for each other, prayer for the church, and prayer for our community. We should also be known for our holy lives. Anger and righteousness are mutually exclusive. James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We are unable to have an effective prayer life if we are angry, or have a quarrelsome spirit, or are harboring bitterness. If you refuse to repent of your anger, and you think everything is good between you and God, then you are deluding yourself and are overripe for some discipline. Now, before I enter into this next section, I want you to know that I've prayed many times over this study, and I continually do so. I've prepared and repaired my message over and over and over, many times. And I want you to know that I humbly bring this next section to you, keeping well in mind there have been many harsh and careless comments made from pulpits on this next section, but in the manner of know your place and shut your face. But I would be negligent if I decided to skip or gloss over this next section. So please do not tune out at this point and know that I bring this with all sincerity and love. So what should Christian women be known for? Women should not be dressing in an out-of-control manner to bring attention to themselves. 
making a statement of wealth or status or to entice visually. Now I refuse to lower this study to a legalistic listing of every type of garment that might be inappropriate, but ladies, if you catch the menfolk are looking your way a little too often and a little too long, go home and look at yourself in the mirror. If you think it might be because of what you're wearing is causing them to entertain lustful thoughts about you, then you might be onto something. I know that men should be more self-controlled, and there's no excuse for living in an uncontrolled life, but as a fairly normal representation of a man, I can say that my eyes are still drawn visually to beauty and sexuality. This is normal, but when indulged, it could cause a foothold for the devil to encourage you to lust. And lust, if indulged, will cause you to take further steps. And now what started out as a little showing off could eventually lead to sin, regrets, embarrassment, and a whole host of other problems. You should be known for your good deeds, not your good wardrobe. There's nothing wrong with having nice outfits, but the question is, are you more concerned with putting on a fashion show, or are you more concerned with doing good works? Now, I want to look at a new opportunity, not a new position. This is one of the clearest passages to teach, yet so controversial, or at least an undesirable passage for our modern Western world. Yet there are some profoundly deep truths here that are often missed. Remember that at the time this was written, not only in the Jewish world, but in the Greek and Roman society, the education of women was virtually unheard of. Women did not get to sit in the synagogue and learn the scripture. They were not invited to sit at the city gates to discuss politics or law. They did not have a general education school. There was no system of higher learning for women. Women were barely higher than the slave with their only function to be as a domestic servant to her husband and bear children. Outside the home, the typical job opportunities for women were field laborers. There was noted a common prayer by Jewish men of that day. They would pray, I thank God that I was not born a slave or a woman. Now women, before you get up in arms over this passage, are you glad you were able to go to school? This passage actually shows a relatively new and distinctly Christian opportunity given to you in being able to sit and learn with the men. This is a new elevation that would eventually afford women the ability for a general education as well. Now the question arises, why can't I as a woman teach or exercise authority over a man? This is an interesting and fair question to ask, and let's string it out a little bit further. If I, as a woman, am a better student, and a better communicator, and a better teacher than a man, why must I remain silent? The idea of women not teaching or exercising authority over men is not a question of ability, but rather a God-ordained order from the beginning. Think about the word ordination for just a second. An ordination is a set of holy orders given to someone. When Pastor Asher was ordained, that's my local pastor for those of you that don't know me, when he was ordained, he received a holy set of orders to be faithful in the handling of God's word. And as men and women, we have our own distinct ordinations. Let's look at the ordained order for just a second. God ordained Adam to be the leader of his home. God ordained Eve 
to be his helper. When Eve overstepped her ordination, in her own wisdom, she made a choice, except she was deceived. We don't know what may have happened if the serpent had approached Adam first, but we do know that Adam failed to protect her, failed to lead her, and followed her right into sin. So now, what is the woman's place within God's order? The salvation that God, through Paul, is talking about is not a salvation from sin, but a salvation from scorn. Marriage is hard. Anyone who's been married for any length of time knows that. But it's especially hard in those early years. Why? Because young people are foolish and don't have the life experience to process difficult situations the way they eventually will, further down the line. And it's easy for the husband to get angry or resentful for his wife not being like himself, for being needy, for not understanding the world in the same hardened way that he does. One of the built-in safeguards for a family is the wife's ability to hold the family pieces together. A normal husband responds emotionally towards seeing his wife carrying their child or holding that little baby and showing the household optimism, love, godliness, and self-control. She has a type of inner persevering strength that is entirely different than a man's strength to work hard, fight to defend, and persevere in the hunting and gathering. If you believe that I may have been sexist or chauvinistic in this presentation, then you've missed everything that God has conveyed here and in other places where God has given roles for men and women. We were created different. We are different. And the effort to blur the lines and erase the differences has been detrimental to our society and to the church. When we abandon God's ordination or calling for our lives, including our gender-specific roles, when we say, yeah, I heard you, God, but you don't understand, and I'm in a different category than you designed, we are buying into Satan's old lie of, did God really say? And the cycle of sin goes on as it always has. Remember that in Christ, men and women are equal in our salvation, but not equal in our responsibility within the church. We should be known for our prayer, our holiness, our self-control, and our good works. Women should enjoy the new opportunity to learn in the church, but not go beyond that new opportunity to take on authority. And women should take their responsibility in child-rearing as a godly ordination. The Discipleship Center and its subsidiaries, TDC Aquaponics and TDC Farm, are a registered 501c3 charity serving in the not-so-beautiful city of Kekakee and its surroundings. Have you or a loved one been struggling with substance abuse, chronic unemployment, need some work experience after a recent incarceration, or just failed to move on to a more productive phase of life? There is hope just around the corner with the Discipleship Center where every life matters and we strive to fulfill the Great Commission one life at a time. Check us out on the web at www.discipleshipctr.org today.